Because I had that, I have that confidence, I thought, I want to help people um, during that time. And and maybe, I'm not going to tell them my belief system, but maybe just me being there, being a witness, being there, um, provide comfort in any way that I can, maybe that can help them. But I think that's really what called, which really called me to do end-of-life work as a therapist, is, is my my knowledge that there is no death and uh welcome everyone to haunting live podcast this week thank you so much for tuning in and watching us here uh we have a special guest here with us we'll bring him on in just a minute this week but uh first of all thank you so much for all the latest subscribers to our youtube channel we really appreciate that we recently crossed a milestone of 500 subscribers and uh we have a new option on our youtube channel to do posts so watch for some postings coming very soon to our channel which will interact with you guys a lot more on that channel and yeah thank you so much for doing that thank you for being here today uh, today we do have a special guest joining us all the way from New Mexico, USA. He is a psychic medium, and his name is Fernando, so let's bring him on today. Hello, Fernando. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking your time out and joining us here on Haunting Live to talk about what you do as a psychic medium, among some other things. And we'll get to all those topics today, And uh, but thank you for being here today. I'm happy to be here. Anything that I can do to just uh, elevate or just expand on psychic ability and spirituality and all of that out. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit before we start getting to other things. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into being a psychic medium. What drew you into it? Yeah, you know, the it was the most interesting start to uh, my abilities and to exploring my abilities and so forth. I I was one of those kids um, as a child where I would talk to uh, myself or I would talk to people who weren't there and there are stories within the family about uh, my, my experiences as a child. I don't remember any of those. Um, but the first real experience that I had that I that I uh, really do uh, remember was back when I was a teenager. Um, it was right after puberty. So already hormones were just kind of raging and whatnot. And I had discovered Star Trek Voyager, which was uh, just 
Yeah, it was back when it was first, uh, you know, first running um, on TV. And there was a character on Star Trek, uh, and her name was Kess. And she had these telepathic abilities to communicate and sense things. She could move things with her mind. And I was just so fascinated by this character and what she could do. And there was always a little bit of I felt connected or almost like a sense of familiarity with what she was able to do. And I always wondered, like, I wonder if we human beings, you know, because they, they didn't approach it from a perspective of religion or dogma. You know, I, I, coming back, coming from a Hispanic Catholic background and family, everything that has to do with psychic ability or the supernatural is evil or demonic or of the devil. Get away from that. Stop that. Right. So watching Cass on TV and it being a very normalized, like, oh, she's just a alien who has these abilities because it's part of her species. Um, I thought, well, that's just interesting. And it made me wonder what we could do as humans. Like, what were we capable of? Because you always hear, oh, we only use 10% of the brain and and these, these uh, basic uh, ideas of what we're capable of, but you never really see it. Uh, and I wanted to see it. I wanted to experience it. So I just asked God, I said, hey, you know, what are we capable of? What can we do? And within the first week of just wondering and asking that question, stuff started happening and my ability opened up. Um, and it, it began with a experience that almost cost me my life. So um, it was a fire that we had in our house. Uh, I had, back then my mom used to go to work on the weekends and I used to spend time by myself at the house, you know, just hanging out, watching TV. It was very much of a loner, still, still am to this day. Um, and I was, I got up to go to the kitchen to just get, grab a snack. And as I was walking into the kitchen, I had this random thought in my head that said, hey, you know, what would you do if there was a fire in the kitchen? And as I was hearing that inner voice, it was my voice, but it didn't sound like me. It was just different. And I had a memory play out in my mind, but it wasn't a memory I had experienced yet. So the memory was of the fire, uh, the stove, flames just kind of roaring from the stove and then the, the cabinets next to the stove on fire and the entire room filled with smoke. So I had that visual, that memory and that question posed. And I thought to myself, well, what, what would I do? You know, it didn't even question the voice. It just like, it just sounded like myself. What would I do if there was a fire? And so I decided to come up with a plan of action. And my plan of action was I'm going to well, if the stove was on fire and, you know, the house that we lived in at the time, we had burglar bars around every door, every window, except for the back uh, door. And that was the only door we actually used. Um, there was a front door we never used. We didn't even have a key to that door. Um, so there's no way I was going to get out of that one. But if there were a fire, we would have to go out through the back door, the kitchen back door. And I thought to myself, okay, so... I got to go out through this door. If, the, if there's smoke, I learned in school, you got to go low because you'll suffocate, right? Um, so my plan was, okay, I'm going to hold my breath, run straight ahead because I will hit the sink. I will grab the um, utility hose and spray down the fire with the utility hose as I'm holding my breath. And then I'll run out through that back door. And then that way I will keep the house from burning down. And then I will put the fire out and then I will be alive. And so that was my plan of action. So every day, for almost two weeks, I repeated that process daily, several times a day. Every time I got hungry and went looking for a snack, which was several times, um, I would repeat the process and pretend as if this was going to happen. So then two weeks later, 
I'm, uh, my mom was at work and I was in the kitchen. I was making um, some breakfast for myself. And the stove that we have was a hand-me-down. It was one that my uncle had handed down to us. And it was one of those um, electric uh, coil stoves and it didn't really work ideally. And sometimes when you would have it switched into off, it wouldn't always be off. So you would have to kind of put your hand over it to feel the heat. And once the heat stops radiating, you're like, okay, this is off. Um, and so I, I finished making my pancakes. I turned off the stove, checked to make sure it was it was off. And the fire alarm was on and blaring, but it was always blaring when we cooked because we just cooked with high heat. But also some someone thought it was a incredible idea to put one right above the stove. So every time we cooked, it would go off. Um, so we, I, I was used to drowning out the sound of the blaring uh, fire alarm. Uh, so I finished my food, I finished cooking, took my food, went to my bedroom, and then just started eating and watching TV. And the alarm was still going off, didn't think anything of it, usually took a few minutes before it settled down. But that voice popped back into my head, that voice that I heard two weeks prior. And the voice was, Bernie, go to the kitchen. And I said, mm, no, I don't want to go to the kitchen. And I'm, so I'm starting to have this conversation with myself. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go to the kitchen. I, I kind of want to eat my food and watch TV, you know? And so then a second time, Fernando, go to the kitchen. And this time it was a bit firmer and a bit more intense. And I was like, no, I don't, why do I, why do I want to go to the kitchen? And it started to feel like that obsessive thought that whenever like you leave your home and you think you may have not locked the door, you're like, maybe should I should go back, should I not? So I was having that kind of experience and I was having this conversation with this voice in my head. And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to go to the kitchen. I want to eat. And so then a third time, and this time it was like almost as if it were yelling in my head, Fernando, go to the kitchen. And I'm just like, ah, and I'm just like, okay, fine, fine. Like I, I'll go, I will go to the kitchen. So I put my food down, I got up, walked over to the kitchen. And as I started to approach the, the kitchen doorway, there's black smoke just billowing out from the doorway. And immediately I was like, oh shit. And I'm like, that's in that moment, like I knew exactly what was going on. You could see some of the light of the flames happening. So then I ran, I ran to the, the doorway and right there, as I stood at the doorway, there was the living, breathing uh, uh, memory of what I had experienced two weeks prior, just the exact thing that I had seen in my head. And so in the moment, um, the first thought I, I had was, what do I do? What do I do? Because you're caught off guard. You weren't, ex you're not expecting that. I was not expecting to, to find that. So I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And like in the moment, it was kind of like in shock. But then as soon as I realized, wait a minute, I know what to do. I've been practicing for this all week long, all last weeks. So then immediately I did exactly what I had practiced. I held my breath. I went straight up to the sink. I pulled the hose out and then I started spraying on the fire. Went out. It was a grease fire. So I don't know how it went out, but it went out. Yeah, because you're not supposed to put water in grease fire. And then I, I went out the back door and that was it. And I, you know, breathed, let the air, you know, vacate. And that, that was it. So that was the first real psychic experience I had. And then after that, it just started to just happen more often and more often. Do you think it was something that was sort of dictated to you or planted to you as a warning or a precognition that this is what it's going to be like for the rest of your life kind of thing? Or I think, yes. Um, I don't like to see myself as like, oh, you're special or you're unique or you're, you're gifted. Or I don't even like using the word gifted when it comes to this ability. Um, and, and as much as I try to push that away at the same time, it's, this is not like a normal experience that people have where, hey, you were just given this 
forewarning of what was supposed to happen exactly as it was going to happen. And this is what you need to do to survive. And so it saved my life. And I, I, I have no choice but to accept that this was destined to happen in the way that it did. Yeah, it's weird the way that it did happen because it gave you a warning beforehand. Have you had anything mm -hmm. else like that happen or is that, oh, yeah. does it constantly happen day after day or is it something that you know is important enough that it's a one-time warning type mm -hmm. thing? I, yeah. So, you know, when, when, with being a psychic, you know, cause I'm, I'm a psychic, I'm a medium and, but I'm also, I consider myself a, a prophet. Um, but the reason why I consider myself a prophet, which is just a special term, um, is when I'm being psychic, I'm intentionally tuning into the future and I'm trying to understand and to figure out some things when i'm a spirit i mean a medium i'm communicating with a spirit so it's a whole nother ball game when i'm in profit mode i'm not seeking that information it's being given to me and usually it occurs in dream form so most of these experiences now are in dream form and i, I identify with um i identify with the show medium i think medium with uh Alison dubois or the um forgot her the actress's name but she is i think that's one of the closest shows to reality of how this can work with people because it's very symbolic and so when i have a dream about something that's coming um i don't always give it credibility but if it becomes a repeating dream or if it become if i wake up and i have the sense of this is important i have to share this then i know it's important and then i put it out there which i've done you know in several instances i did that with the with the with the the whole trump debacle in the last few months of his presidency i had a prophetic dream that uh, i had a prophetic dream in march of 2019 i believe and then it all kind of came down at the end of 2020 into 2021 so it just all started to show up in 2020. so yeah there are times where i have these dreams that are definitely prophetic um when someone in my family is going to pass away i typically will know in advance just because i tend to start to have dreams of visiting going to having their funeral or or um seeing them in their spirit form not in their human form so that tends to be something that i have quite often as well and and if my mom reaches out to me the same week and says i had a dream about so and so I'm like oh crap like <laughs> now i know this is happening because she had the same dream so and she's very psychic as well but she's a schizophrenic so it's a bit of a different dynamic for her because she doesn't always understand like reality from what she's picking up psychically yeah, it's going to be hard when you have a condition on top of being psychic because you don't know which mm -hmm. one is coming forth, really. So, um, mm -hmm. so I want to touch a little bit on your prophet type abilities as well. So your prophet mm -hmm. as well as a seer. So does that go hand in hand? Like psychic work is one thing, but prophet is more seeing the future, or how does that work? So. The way that I've come to understand it, if, for example, I'm doing a reading for a client and I'm tuning into the next year and I focus in on the four categories like health and wellness, finances, career and working relationship, I specifically am targeting basic human stuff like everyday stuff like job and love and stuff like that. So I'm tuning into things. I'm trying to distinguish dates and times and specific situations, details. I, I feed off of the details. So I'm basing all of that information on regular human experiences. With prophecy, it's a bit different because a lot of it is symbolic and you don't always understand all of the symbolism involved in the prophecy. It's, it's kind of like 
it's kind of like a packet of information that starts, it has to be unraveled or unzipped. And so when I received the download, it's very symbolic and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you understand, if you have the key to deciphering it, then you can start to unzip it and you can start to pick, pick, pick the pieces and figure out all of the details that are gonna go along with it. Um, and so prophecy, prophecy is just the receiving of information that isn't just focused on my life. It's usually something that affects all of us. And there are, are a lot of people who are, I consider to be prophets in the world. They don't realize it or they've not developed the use of that skill. Um, but think of it this way, when I'm, when I'm doing a reading for someone, I am focusing in on their specific phone number and that phone number is their identification. So I'm only focusing on a very, a very specific area of, of information and, and knowledge and energy and, and future happenings. With prophecy, it's usually a whole lot of people being affected by something. And there are a lot of people who are like radio antennas and they may be inadvertently like dialed in to a specific frequency. And then they pick up on some of that information, may not pick up on a whole lot of it, but they are feeling something, they're sensing something, but they're not sure what it means. Um, with prophecy, you're not just getting some of those surface level experiences, you're getting a lot of information, you're getting a packet of information and you're being given the ability to understand it if you just break it down and unzip it. And that's the key is if you want to use your prophetic ability, you have to understand the, de the deciphering of that information and you have to learn how to, to break it apart and make sense of it. Did it take you a while to learn how to do that? Or was it something that came yes. really easily to you? Did you have to no, have not a couple at all. experiences <laughs> before you started realizing, okay, yeah, this is not, not just yeah. psychic? Yeah, not at all. This has taken a long time. I mean, I've been I've been a full time psychic in a medium since I think what 2012, 2013. So around early the early two, uh, 2010 teens, I've been doing this full time. Before that, I mean, I was I was doing readings and such, but it wasn't to the level that I do now. But in in, I think the the moment that I realized what the key was to breaking down this information and understanding it was when I started to intern and study with Pam Coronado. Um, and Pam is an established psychic detective. She's been on a few series. Um, she's been used by the FBI and she's also, she was, she trained and, and also has um, a lot of affiliation with some of the original um, psychic spies and people who were involved in like the, the programs with the secret programs in the government. So she learned a type of remote viewing that was, you know, coordinate based. So, or, or um, focused on a target number series. So I interned with her for about a year. Before her, I was still doing readings. I was still tuning in and such, but I didn't have the type of structure or the ability to really get as much detail as I needed to be like stellar. Once I got with Pam and I started going through her training course, I understood exactly how this works, not just for myself, but how this works for everybody. And it comes down to symbology. And this is something that has been used in so many cultures and in so many languages and in so many ways. And at the end of the day, I believe that we all communicate telepathically with each other through a form of symbology and meaning. So as humans, we come into life, we're born as children, we have to apply meaning to things. So when I think of this, this is a vessel, this is a cup. And this cup for different people, it might mean different things. For an artist, it might mean a work of art. For a person who just likes coffee, it might just mean coffee cup. Um, for others, it might just be a vessel that holds liquid. But at the end of the day, everybody has some sort of established meaning to that. And so when we are 
sensing energy, um, it's not like we're sensing a conversation or we're sensing complete uh, meaning and, and defined uh, structure or complex. Um, when we're communicating with each other verbally, I am using specific words that mean specific things and I'm bringing it together to say something very specific. With telepathy, there is no inner sentence or structure of words or meaning. It's just energy that has meaning. And so if I'm communicating something to someone, I have to communicate the energy and the thought behind that energy. So especially with psych the psychic classes that I run now, it's, it, every student is the same way. People will come up with the same defined meanings for, for similar things because we all have human experiences and we all have very similar human experiences. So when we communicate with each other, we're using a type of symbology. So what is happening in your mind is a lot of symbolism and meaning, and you have to understand what that means on a basic level. So when I started practicing and studying with Pam, what she taught me was to never, when I tune into something and want to understand what I'm sensing, don't take it so literally. And that's one of the biggest tricks that psychics run into, especially newbies, is that they expect, oh, I'm going to be psychic right now. I want to know the answer. And what I receive is the exact perfect answer. And I'm like, no, this is, this is my mistake that I made when I, in the beginning as well. What you have to realize is that if you want the answer, your brain's going to give you the answer. The, you're going to get the information. But you need to understand that it's not very, like, it's not direct. It's not going to be at face value. It's not going to be a perfect representation of the answer. It's just a representation of the answer. So when you start to peel back some of the, the initial uh, layers of information and uh, of meaning, you can get to more generalized form of that, that piece of information. And then it comes down to, it means something. And then that's how you use it. So with my ability and with Pam, I learned how to break everything down to its basic level understanding. And that's the key. That's the decipher. Anything you just you have a, a dream about that's very symbolic, generalize it, break it down to its basic level understanding, and then you'll start to understand the meaning. And when I think of like the Egyptians and hieroglyphics and some of these, uh, these cultures that use all of these symbolic forms of language, I get it now why that became the language, because that is our, that is our basic way of communicating on an energetic level, humans with humans, spirit to, to humans, animals to humans. It's the same thing. Yeah, that makes sense because a lot of people in the past would use simple language. They wouldn't have a complicated mm. language. Like even we have today, it would be a very simple um, hieroglyph hieroglyphics or whatever they're yeah. on rocks when they paint to the mm -hmm. paintings they'll communicate very simply or even when people are doing like um, I guess woodwork or bush work like they're walking through the bush and they have somebody else with them they'll leave little ways of finding them right like break a stick here so they know where to, which mm -hmm. way you're traveling or whatever that kind of thing so very kind of prehistoric yeah. way of doing things but it's the most simplest way of doing things too um, how easy is it for yeah. somebody to jump from say they know they have some psychic abilities but they don't know if they maybe have prophetic abilities how easy is it for them mm. to jump from one to the other say they want to start learning how to become a prophet prophecy requires a willingness to be used um i'm by default a control freak <laughs> and because i was a store manager for starbucks for many many years i became more of a control freak because of that and so I, I'll use my very first experience with, with 
because for I, I did readings back in the day as a teenager I did I started developing my skills and then I had kind of a run-in with some guys that were just really rude because they didn't like what I had to say and they said some awful things to me and it shut me down and I was like god I don't want to and this was I was a teenager I didn't have enough life experience to have a backbone so I was like I don't want to I don't want to help people. If they're going to treat me like this, why do I want to do this for people? And I was doing it for free. I mean, I was getting calls every day. My mom's like, who the hell is calling? All these people are calling you. And I was a teenager. So I didn't want to do it. So I said, God, if you're going to have these crazy people coming to me and this is how it's going to be, I don't want to do this. So I, I just give it up. And I should have done that because it shut my ability down. And for almost 15 years, I had zero psychic ability. Even, even my natural empathic ability that I was already heightened with from the get-go from a child um it just wasn't working i couldn't sense anything from people so for years i was like trying to get it to kick back on because i was like what did i do i totally like i i threw away something that was so precious and so so valuable um so years went by i tried to trigger this i did all of the things that people usually do to try to build their psychic ability i went to all of the metaphysical bookstores about hell of a lot of crystals i bought a shitload of books about how to develop your psychic ability and they all kind of came down to the same idea you know either do like automatic writing or just tune in and then you know it, it, there wasn't a whole lot of real strategy behind using your ability it was just very basic level stuff and it wasn't really helping me so I gave up trying to be a professional psychic medium and I decided, you know what, I, at that time I had a friend who was a Reiki healer and I said, I'm going to just go into the Reiki industry and become a Reiki healer because at least I can do something in this industry and at least I can do something in this area, in this, in this genre. So in the first year of doing Reiki, my Reiki internship, um, I started to make some mistakes because I was trying to control the energy. I wanted to be Jesus. I wanted to like, I wanted to heal a person and like completely clear away all of their ailments and to you know restore them to full health and that didn't work i wasn't jesus i wasn't healing people miraculously and my teacher was like fernie you're trying to control the energy you need to allow yourself to be used you're not here to make a point or to be special or to get attention just allow yourself to be used and in the process of being used you will also receive the benefits of the energy okay so I gave up just trying to be something or do something. And instead I just surrendered to the process and allowed it to be whatever it was gonna be. And that was the moment that my, my psychic ability switched back on. And so over several months, I realized my ability was working again. And then I started to develop that again. And so it requires, in order to become a prophet, to, to start to receive that kind of level of information, um, because we are we are all receiving it. We're on Earth, completely disconnected from source energy. We are in tuned in, and in one way, shape, or form, we're going to be aware of it. And those of us who are prophets or who are lined up with the energy, we will receive the we will receive the download. We'll receive that packet. So you have to surrender to the process of being used, and you can't intend to use it in a way to control something or you can't control the information on how it's going to come to you. You just have to surrender to it. And in the process, you receive these downloads randomly um, when something's coming up. Yeah, and uh, sounds right. Like you have to kind of work your way through it, kind of feel your own way of doing it and mm -hmm. decipher what's coming to you through the download. Um, speaking mm -hmm. of downloads, what's one kind of story you can share about prophecy that has maybe come true for you that you've had? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's quite a few of them. Um, one, one, one of the biggest ones was actually with the whole Trump, you know, debacle. Um, yeah. So that in 2019, I think that was the beginning of when the prophetic part of my ability kick, was kicking on because in that year I had two or three separate dreams that were very prophetic. And what, what I find is that sometimes when something big is happening, I will have other dreams about surrounding events to pinpoint the time frame so that they give me a time frame for when it's going to happen. And so I had two dreams around that time, I think about a week apart from each other. Um, one week um, was the Trump dream. And then the second week, there was a random dream about these, uh, these um, actually, what is it? These um, uh, llamas that got loose there was these two llamas that got loose in the countryside they were running amok and there was like they were trying to find these uh llamas and they were around this like property in the northeast somewhere it kind of felt european in a way and so there was all these details in that dream and that was a weird dream and nothing come of it came of it right after the bat and then the trump dream was right before that um and so I'm sorry, the Trump dream was after that. It was two weeks after that. It was reversed. The Lama dream was first. The Trump dream was after that. In the Trump dream, I was a black man. And I was, and this was before Black Lives Matter was in the scene as well. So this was 2019. So this was uh, 2000, yeah, 2019, before all of that happened, early 2019. So I was a black man and I was marching with other black people. And it felt very much like, um, one of those marches during the civil rights movement where you're trying to raise awareness for you know how things are not the way they're supposed to be and it should be equal and so i was a black male marching we were at the white house and we were essentially trying to oust the administration and so the white house was surrounded by this gate and on top of the white house was trump with a few military um, sharpshooters or, or military officers and so soldiers so we were trying to force him out and get him out of the office and we were all marching and we were trying to do it in a peaceful way we were using our rights we were trying to um, do anything that was the way it was supposed to be done and it was getting a bit extreme and there were other elements there that felt like uh, extreme um extreme white nationalism in a way there were people there who were you know white power and and and, and you know black people this and black and so there were those elements there there was these extreme people there who had these beliefs that he was the savior and he was god and he and just like elevated him to this like status um and we were just we wanted to get him out and so at, at one point we started to climb the gates or the fence of the white house and in the moment that that happened he felt threatened and he asked the the national uh, he, he asked the people the uh, military officers to start shooting at citizens and they looked at each other and they were confused they were like these are american citizens like we're not shoot citizens like and so they didn't they didn't act right away, but then he took um, a rifle out of the assault weapon out of the military officer's hands, sh pointed it at the crowd and started shooting and shooting and everybody just started scattering going everywhere. And then his posse and his his people who were there um, trying to you know support him, they were also attacking and, and, and killing people. And so we all started, we all scattered about, ran in different places. Um, and then after the fact, 
the day after that night everybody was rushing to hospitals hospitals were bombarded and it was so odd because the hospitals were completely congested with people and then we were also arriving at the same time be seeking treatment and whatnot and i was taking this older man um, in the dream and so um then the next day i as a black male returned to my job working at a hotel um it wasn't i was serving people but i wasn't serving them inside of a restaurant everybody was outside at the tables were all outside and everybody was like six feet apart at the tables it was just the weirdest thing and so again before covid before anything um and so i was serving people and there were a bunch of white folks sitting at a table and they were like oh that's that was all made up that didn't really happen he would have never done that or they're trying to make him look bad they're, they're, this this is not what's actually happening and i turned to them as the servant i said this happened i was there last night i saw this i experienced this and they just they just brushed me off as if i didn't know what i was talking about and so then and then i woke up um and oh before i woke up there was a a like a ring in a stone or ring in my finger and it was like a piece of coal and as all of this happened even with the gunshot when it hit the the stone it turned into a diamond and so there was a lot of symbolism and there's a whole lot more to the, to the, to the dream, but that was the, that was the, the Trump dream. And so I went online and I posted it publicly to everybody because I post a lot of public predictions. I actually have a dedicated page. Yeah, I have a dedicated page on my website. I'm like one of these people where if you're a psychic or you consider yourself a prophet, you better have receipts to back it up. And I have a dedicated page on my site that shows all of my predictions. They're dated and all of the details. And then I follow up. Um, after the fact, and I show people, did I get this or was I completely off? And I have a pretty good track record because I want to show people, hey, I'm actually doing this. This isn't just me saying this. I'm legit. So um, I made some predictions based on the symbolism because I, I started to break it apart and figure out what the meaning was for all these different components in it. And essentially what I said was there might be a very extremist type of march or event at the Capitol, and one of the Capitol buildings might be um, infiltrated, and Trump or his people, um, he may, I don't think he'll act out of violence himself, but I feel like he's going to get his own people to act in violence against U.S. citizens or against um, our government. And then I said a few other things as well. And, and I said this would happen after he lost the election. So I also predicted he lost, he would lose the election. And this was happening right around his exit. And so I, I said a few keywords and details, um, and that was it. And back then I was very, uh, I was uh, afraid of ruffling people's feathers because I had, you know, friends from all spectrums of life. Um, even a majority to this day, a lot of people who are my followers in Texas, where I based my my business to begin with, are still Republican or are still, you know, on that spectrum. So I was trying not to ruffle feathers. But today I'm in a very different mind space. But back then I just put it out there in a very kind of specific way, but I was trying to be very careful with how I worded it. Uh, and then of course, we saw what happened so that was one of the prophecies that happened that yeah oh in the week before that happened at the capitol there was a story on the news about two llamas that got out and were like running the streets of muck in the northeast um and a bunch of other details that were tied to that so that that was the timing of it so that happened two weeks prior to the other one so i was like okay this should be happening soon because the llama the llama dream happened this is coming up now i just saw that story so now this might be happening at the capitol soon yeah, so those were the uh, sort of messages for what's going to happen next in your dream. You've mm -hmm. got those symbolisms come through for you. 
Mm -hmm. um, so the next question that I have for you is, have you had anything lately on that topic? Has you have any predictions of what's going to, I guess, happen to him in the future? Like all these mm -hmm. court cases and filings that are yeah. against him, is he going to get any justice coming to him? God, I just hope so. Um, I, you know, the thing about sensing the future is if you're tuning into something that you have an invested interest in, by default, your level of accuracy drops significantly. And this is one of the, the tricks that psychics run into, which is why like every all these psychics were predicting that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election and she didn't win. Um, I didn't know and I, I refused to say whether she would win or not. And I was like, I don't know. And then I had a dream about that situation also, which was a prophetic dream. But um, with him, because I want him to pay the price and to be accountable to what he has done, um, I definitely have an invested interest in what's going to happen with him. But I have predicted, I have made predictions around what would happen to him. And I ultimately said he would lose the election. There would be a whole host of different charges and things brought up against him that he would just, you know, not really be, be affected by. Um, but I said at some point I did see him leaving the country or operating outside of the US. Um, and I also felt that the one thing that might actually get him or, or cause him to be um, prosecuted would actually have nothing to do with like the political stuff and would it actually have something to do with a, a, a case around rape or, or a case around a minor being raped or uh, an assault. So that's what I predicted. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I, I, because I have an invested interest, it's like, mm, you know, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm not going to say too much, but I have heard things along the similar lines as that. So let's hope something yeah. will happen because of that. Um, but anyways, uh, before we do let you go today, again, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us a bit about what you do as mm -hmm. a bunch of different things, psychic medium, profiter or profit and seer as well. So um, you have a lot of different abilities that you share with people and your clients. Um, is there anything that you've been working on lately that you want to talk about before we let you go? Yeah, I've so I am working on my first book because I really do believe that everybody can do what I do. And I, I try not to like put myself on a soap, soapbox because I don't want people to feel like, oh, you have to be special or you have to be, you know, divinely touched or, you know, and I think a lot of psychics and mediums have a really bad habit of trying to use this as a way to like showboat and make themselves stand out of a crowd um, and just for the attention. I, I'm granted I'm an attention whore myself, but at the same time, like when it comes to psychic ability, we all can do what I do and some people even better. And what I try to do is teach people as much as I can and just help them to get through the shortcuts. And I try to avoid a lot of the fluffy spiritual um, stuff where, oh, you have to get you know, you have to have a, a spirit guide, or you have to use a, a crystal, or you have to go and get your chakras aligned and cleared. No, you don't do any of that stuff. You don't have to be on a special diet. All you have to do is just pay attention to what's going on in your brain and then use your ability once you understand it through strategy. So with the first book that I'm writing now, it's gonna be focused on that. It's like a no bullshit book. It's just getting to the point, developing your ability and practicing and using it if you really are serious about getting this to work for you. Um, so that's one thing that I'm working on right now, and I'm expecting, hopefully, that it will be out by the end of the year, if not sooner. Um, but I am also, um, I do 
lives every Wednesday and Friday. This is my way of giving back just because I believe that if we have this ability, we should be giving back in one way, shape or form. Um, and so every Friday and every Wednesday and Friday, I do about an hour, hour, hour and a half of lives where I get on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or YouTube on Twitter. I call it twatter because everybody on there is a good twat. But um, I, I get on there and I do readings for people for free. There's no charge um, just because I want to show people one, this, this is how it works and there's no editing. And two, you know, it's my way of kind of, again, giving back because there are a lot of people who can't afford this. And there are a lot of psychics who charge a wazzy amount of money. I'm like, the average person can't afford <laughs> like a $300 30-minute reading. So um, that's something that I offer for people as well. So I invite people to check it out and and, and whatnot. Um, there might be a new, uh, There, I am on a TV show once a month um, on a regular basis. It's in Colorado Springs in Colorado. Um, and I just go, go on there and do a little segment here and there. And some, we talk about different things also. So that's, that's been pretty fun. Mm -hmm. So there might be a TV project in the works. I don't know yet. I'm still waiting to hear back from that. But the moment that I know, I will definitely let people know. <laughs> and definitely, I'm sure we can share it on our social media as well. Definitely your uh, weekly readings. We can uh, post those up on to we have a group on Facebook, too. So for Haunting Live, so we can definitely share anything to there that you guys are doing. So but thank you so much, mm -hmm. Fernando, for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, it was very nice to meet you and all that you do for sharing your talents with us and uh, your abilities as well. So very interesting, different uh, topic than what we normally have here on the show. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. That's been wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks again for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Fernando joining us all the way from New Mexico, USA. So thank you to him for coming on and talking to us about uh, what he does as a psychic medium, some of his experiences. He's also a prophet and seer as well. So topic we have not talked about yet here on Haunting Live, but it's very interesting to hear the differences between a psychic medium and what a prophet and seer does as well. So thanks, Fernando, for coming on today and being here on Haunting Live as our guest this week. But thank you all as well for tuning in this week. We appreciate all the views lately on our videos we've been doing for you guys on our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a couple new videos posted. Uh, one is a brand new interview from Andrea Perron uh, from the Conjuring series. Uh, they were the original family that was owned the Conjuring home. And this is our second interview that we were able to do with her. So we talked to her about some different topics uh, what happened before they bought the home and stuff in her life. So very interesting uh, interview to go check out there on our page. It's posted now. Uh, another thing coming up as well, Chris here at Haunting Live Podcast, uh, Divine Oracle Readings, he does. He's going to be at a event locally here. If you guys are local to us, you can come out to the event at the Breslau Airport, which is right close to us here in where we live and uh, come to our event table there and get free reading your readings there uh, we will also have merch from our uh, merch store here at haunting life podcast for you guys to check out so if you're in the local area where we are uh, come check that out you can find the information on our website which is hauntedlifepodcast.com as well check out our merch and other things we have posted up there for you on our website which is hauntinglifepodcast.com all of our past episodes our events and our merch is there available for you guys to check out so again uh, thank you guys for checking out our youtube don't forget to hit that like button if you like the content you saw here today 
and also subscribe to our channel. We recently crossed over 500 subscribers, so that's amazing. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, look for more posts and more videos coming to our YouTube channel in the future. But thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We'll be back here next week with a brand new guest in the paranormal field and interview them here next Sunday for you guys. So thank you for tuning in. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you back here next week for Haunted Live Podcast. The intuitive part happens when all of a sudden you realize that you're looking at pictures, right? You're looking at pictures on cardboard that somehow makes so much sense to you or your sitter that you can't really explain why, right? Because it's, you know, tarot is a strange thing to do. It's not very logical. Uh, when you start to try, you know, to break down why it works. It's one of those things that I was, you know, I would say it shouldn't work, but it does. It wasn't until after I started uh, meditating when I was probably in my, I guess, my 40s or so, um, because I was on Wall Street. I was getting you know, totally stressed out. I started meditating every single day just to relax. And after about 12 months of meditation, one day I had a spiritual awakening where all of a sudden I saw four spirits in my mind's eye and I had this dramatic experience which was absolutely beautiful and after that uh, awakening it was really where all of a sudden the door kind of reopened so this guy you know i was giving him his mother showed me what i looked what she looked like and she was giving me evidence of her life and how she passed and all these things and he's just acknowledging yes 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 i'm not sure whatever you're not sure of just write down you'll remember it later um and just before the spirit was about to be done and i was about to wrap up the reading she gave me the finger my face dropped and i'm like oh shoot i'm like why did she do that? Because that never happened to me before. And I'm going, why did she do that? Do I tell him? Do I do I say this to him? And I says, I, I can't withhold information. So I said, listen, sir, I don't know how to tell you this. And it's a little strange because this never happened to me. I says, but your mom gave me the finger. He was laughing so hard to the, to the point of tears. Uh, as spirit works with us, um, when the student is ready, the teacher comes and there was an elderly gentleman that came to get massage work. There was something about him that was so different. The, the white hair, the, the most crystal blue eyes I'd ever seen. So he's on the table and he's telling me he has this shoulder problem. And I said, okay, I can do blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, no, we're going to do something different today. So I placed my hand above and I felt the discrepancy where the injury was. And he said, I want you to take your hand and move this energy around. And then afterwards, I looked at him and I said, well, who are you? Where did you come from? And he just smiled at me and he goes, I'm just a traveler.